Welcome to episode 116 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is ready to grow some grass, John Scott Sloat. Tis the season, Matt. Tis the season. Yeah, warmer weather. I mean, longer days, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh this week, it was a little wet yesterday. I was going to put it down yesterday, but the ground was a little damp. But this season is when you put down your crabgrass preventer mm. and like sort of your dewinterizer wakes up the grass a little bit. Mm. Okay. It's a little bit of fertilizer in there. Okay. All right. Do you have a preferred brand? Can we get a sponsorship out of this? I mean, I, I use – so <laughs> Ace Hardware stocks this Scott's brand uh-huh. and they have a four-step process and you put down one early – you put it down in the early spring, one in late spring, one in summer, one in fall. And that's the process. Okay. So I, I'm doing that this year. We'll okay. see what happens. And, and is Andrea as committed to the grass growing as you are? No, no, absolutely not. No, no. <laughs> I see. Does she plant flowers? Does she do anything? Yeah, yeah. She loves the landscaping outside of the grass. Okay. Mm-hmm. She loves – and we love to garden. So we'll we'll get some things going around Mother's Day probably in the garden. Okay. What do you want to plant? Uh, we usually do tomatoes, green beans, zucchini. Uh, I would love to do some cucumbers and do some pickling this year, make some pickles. But okay, we'll see. All right. Sweet peppers. We'll do some sweet peppers. Okay. And if you'd like more gardening and yard tips, you can reach out to the show on Twitter at VNS Pod. You can find us. Does uh, it feel echoey in here today? A little bit. I think. Well, they've made some changes to our studio again. Yeah. Yeah. They took so there was a there was a number of products in here. It was a storage closet, basically. <laughs> yeah. But that dampened a lot of the echo. They've now moved that to another location. Yeah. And uh, and it feels echoey to me. But I wonder maybe if we, if we move the curtains. We've got some curtains we could move around here that might like help yeah. dampen. That's for, Not that's for today. Next but, week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah next yeah. week. Yes. Um, if you'd like to email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and YouTube, Various and Sundry Podcast. And we would always love for you to leave a uh, five-star rating and a review. Uh, I tried to find Spotify reviews, Spotify reviews, and I was unsuccessful. So uh, I don't know if I'm just uh, technically illiterate on that platform, but um, I, I will take it by faith that some people have left reviews there mm-hmm. and that they are. Somebody has told us they have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're gonna we're gonna take them at their word. Okay. All right. Well, in addition to uh, warmer weather and uh, grass planting and uh, fertilizing and cu- cultivating season. Uh, the NCAA tournament began this past weekend. Yeah. So how much how much basketball did you consume? Um, probably four or five hours. So in total, or like each day? Um, no, not each day. Probably okay. probably four to six hours in total. Okay. okay. So I I, I just have. My digital antenna. So I was just – I just had CBS. Ah, I got you. So I was only able to watch. Well, you can go online and, and watch through the NCAA March Madness app. Is that free? I figured I would have to put it a TV provider and all these things. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I haven't checked that. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. OK. But. OK. That was my assumption. That's why I haven't, I haven't okay. even tried it. But yeah, so I was watching. So what are you going to do? Because some of the games are going to shift. Like the Final Four is on TBS. Final Four and Championship Game 
Yeah, I, I mean pro- the championship games be well past your bedtime anyway. So yeah, so I will probably hop on a friend's YouTube TV, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. I, I see how that works. You're, you're good. You're welcome to do that. Uh, <laughs> if I may speak for that unnamed friend. Um, okay, so let's talk briefly about just the tournament itself. Okay. Um, already lost two one seats. Uh, and now that we're at the Sweet 16 round. And um, it feels like there's been a decent number of upsets. Kentucky. Yes, Kentucky that's, lost. that's that the was, biggest one. That was wild. That was the biggest one. And, and what, what was that team? St. Peter's. St. Peter's, the Peacocks. Yes, yes. Um, did you also see the special on like the guy who does all the graphics for anything you see on screen that isn't live television? Yeah. His nephew is on – uh, St. Peter's Peacocks. Yeah, yeah, and he's the kid with the curly hair and the bad mustache. And the let's bad be, mustache. It's a bad yeah. mustache. Yeah. And uh, and they they did a special on him, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, saw, I remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but uh, so yeah, that was the biggest upset so far. Yeah, I mean, and it's, they, it's it's not going to be top because well, it's they, a fifteen beating a two. They won again. Yes, they're under the sweet sixteen. So, um, yeah, it's just. It, it feels pretty crazy. Are they the biggest Cinderella thus far to, to make it? Oh, they're a 15, definitely. This year, yeah. 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 I mean, last year, I think Oral Roberts, who beat Ohio State, got to the Sweet 16 and then uh, lost. And Ohio State did better than you expected. I, I mean, they beat Loyola. I I picked against them just because my cynicism with this team has uh, had reached, uh, you know, peak, uh, peak levels there. But um, – yeah, and then they lost yesterday to uh, to Villanova, who was quite frankly was better. But um, Ohio State made a game of it. They got down as many as fifteen. They had cut it all the way down to two with about five minutes left, and just couldn't make enough plays down the stretch. So, um, but uh, speaking of the Big Ten, they're terrible. They have these regular seasons where. They get they got nine teams in, and how many made it to the Sweet Sixteen? Do you know? They got nine teams in. I can think of one. They got two. They got two. Okay, who's the other one? I'm Michigan thinking. and Purdue. Okay, okay. I had Michigan are, are through, but all the other Big Tens now. Indiana was a was a was uh, had to play in the play in game, uh, so they weren't expected to necessarily advance very far. But you had. Several teams that were good seats, Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, all disappointments, Um, though Iowa kind of got hosed on some officiating in the late parts of their game, but they still should have won that game. Um, So, yeah, I think uh, here's another observation. It feels like to me, and I haven't like looked at the stats for this, but uh, it feels like the games, many of the games are lower scoring than than hmm. t- than typical, like games in the fifties. Yeah, you, you expect most college games to be in the sixties and seventies typically, but there've been a good number of games where it's like, I'm not sure this team's going to break fifty, and it ends up being like like Ohio State won their first round game fifty four forty one. That mm. that's a score you you expected from like sixty years ago before the three point shot, uh, and just other games have been in those sort of low fifties. So I'm not sure what's going on with that. SEC also hasn't had a good showing. Yes. I think they have one team in the Sweet 16. Um, Arkansas? Is that it? 
So Tennessee lost. Tennessee lost. Kentucky lost. Auburn lost. Yeah. All three and two seeds. LSU lost. Mm-hmm. Who else is from the SEC that was in the turn? Arkansas. They're still alive. Arkansas is still in it. Yep, that was my one. Um. So yeah. So yeah. Disappointing tournaments for uh, those conferences. Um, and the Big Twelve. I mean, the Big Twelve. They've got Kansas still going forward. And um, who else do they have left? Does the Big Twelve have left? Texas Tech. Texas Tech is, st- is still. They're is still alive. Still alive. Um, Baylor lost as a one seed. Did you watch that? Did you see the Baylor North Carolina game? I did not see the end of it. I saw the first half. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you probably saw the clip though of the flagrant. Oh yeah. Two that oh, yeah. got the North Carolina kid ejected, um, and that really turned the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Carolina was up twenty-five, and Baylor fights all the way back to tie it to send it to overtime, and then just kind of runs out of gas. Yeah, man. So, uh, I think more importantly, we need to talk about our bracket challenge. Yeah, how's it going for you? Uh, terrible. Okay, so where are you sitting currently? Like, what's your position out of? We have forty-one. We know you won't be last. Um, yeah, because somebody Ke- Kevin in our church, lovely man Kevin, <laughs> did never filled out his bracket, but signed up. Yeah, but signed up. <laughs> yes. So we know you won't be last. Well, that's good. Um, oh gosh. By the way, I'm I'm having such annoying frustrations with the Yahoo app on my phone. It keeps kicking me out that I have to sign in repeatedly. I don't appreciate that. Really? So, oh, is that happening in real time? To it you? is happening in real time, but I can get in here. Well, it looks like see. you're tw- tied for 25th. Yeah. Currently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right from the start, it was a rough. You know, I, early on Thursday, it became apparent that I was going to struggle. Uh, yeah. So I'm tied for 25th. Uh, he, here are my goals in, in this. Don't finish last mm-hmm. and try to finish first among myself, my wife, and my two sons. Like that's really the – those are the goals. How's that going? So um, I think I'll have to look here. Um, so my son John is in 16th place. So he's ahead of me, though he doesn't have a lot of possible points left. Um and then my wife is tied for tw- – is in 20th place and uh, and I am in 25th. And then my son Jake is struggling. 35th. 35th. But he's got a lot more possible points left than I do. So um, again, as you get later in the, in the competition, the points uh, – each game you get right is obviously worth more. So – um, should we should we run down the the standings here? Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. So we have. Uh, do you want to do bracket names or names like first names? I mean, the then maybe uh, I don't know. I guess we could do bracket names. Okay. In uh, first uh, March badness. Yes. Uh, which is pretty good. Yes. I like that one. Yes. Um, um, and uh, she, yes, she uh, has forty six points with ninety possible. So yeah, she's so not she, got a ton she, of possible. She's in trouble there long term. But um, I, I know this individual, and she has uh, enjoyed her, her, her run <laughs> to first place here. Uh, yes, we'll see how long it lasts. It won't, um, it won't last long. Uh, we have Scott's bracket, uh, which feels like a provided name. 
Is that uh, who I think it is? I believe so. Okay. I believe so. Okay. I believe that's my father. Okay. Yeah. You're going to yeah. call him out. Okay. Yeah. All I right. believe that's my father. Okay. Um, who's doing quite well. Yeah. Yeah. And he's I still got he's got a he's got 144 points left. Yeah. Potentially. So. Uh, and then tied with him is Chris. Uh, give me the dissy. Is Give me a, the dissy, yeah. Is a, is his bracket name. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of possible points left, so he he, he may not be sustainable. Um, and then uh, then we have a, a series of people tied for fourth. Yeah. So uh, Lee's once legendary bracket, uh, I believe that's – Lee if, Lee from uh, Milford. Milford, yeah. I believe so. Uh, and he's got a good amount of possible points yeah, left. Yeah, he's in good shape. Uh, Dr. Bama and Mr. Hyde. Uh, who I believe is not in this country, yeah. uh, seems to be doing uh, quite well. Yeah, uh, And then Church of Bracketology, which yeah. was one of my favorites. <laughs> that's, that's good. Um, which I don't, I don't know who that is. Yes, you do. Do I? Yeah. I think he, he is at our church. Oh, okay. Did he preach on Sunday? Yeah. Okay. I, I, that's who I think that is. I have no idea. Um, and, then, uh, and then moi, tied yeah. for seventh. Yep. Uh, 42 points, 114 remaining. Not a, not a ton there. I lost three Final Four teams. So yeah. we're, uh, we're, we're in trouble. And how far am I going with this? Uh, go through ninth. Go through ninth here. And then uh, uh, John from Fort Wayne. Yeah. Um, good showing thus far, but not mm-hmm. a lot of possible points left. Correct. Uh, ask for the dissertation uh, is next, which I love those. Yeah. Those are listeners. We yeah. know that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> lots, lots of points available still for this for for this entry. And, and then Snyder bracket, uh, who's in my small group. Yeah. And then David's bracket. Yeah, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is either. Um, Forty-one points, ninety-three possible. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Anyway. <clears throat> so it we, should be, should be fun to update the top ten next week. So. Yeah, because uh, our next when we record our next episode, we'll be down to the final four. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, grateful that we've got 40 people participating in it. That's, yeah. That makes it even more enjoyable. Um, any other big sport news over the weekend? Sean Watson went to Cleveland. Yes. In a wild trade. Um, yes. Um, yeah, I've seen some uh, some Browns fans less than thrilled about that. Not that they're fans of Baker Mayfield, but yeah. just uncomfortable – Understandably so. I text with somebody the allegations uh, against Deshaun Watson for his sexual misconduct. Yeah, forty something. I mean, there's a twenty. There's a number of them. Yeah, there's multiple. And, and again, I, I, I don't know. I'm not in any way defending. It is interesting though that even with that, there's apparently not enough to charge him criminally. Yeah, which that just confuses me. If there's this number of women, that it's it's hard for me to believe that that there's not enough evidence to charge him criminally. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a lawyer. I, I am not either, and so um, I've heard some Baker Mayfield to Indianapolis chatter. Yeah, and uh, I text some Indianapolis fans; they would not be excited about that. Yeah, I if I were a Colts fan, I wouldn't either. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's. He's very comparable to Carson Wentz. Yeah. He will make some plays that will make your jaw drop, but he will more often than not make the the killer what were you thinking kind of mistake. So um, – and then uh, 
baseball spring training is ongoing. Yeah, game started. That's been um, fun. And uh, we mentioned last week, Grace advanced to the Sweet 16 of the NAIA uh, National Tournament. They lost. They did. In the Sweet 16 to College of Idaho. Uh, lost by five. The potatoes. Yeah. They went 12 of 25 from the free throw line. Really? It's been an issue yeah, all year for it them. Has. It finally caught up to them. So in any case, speaking of things that have caught up to us, it's time for us to go on the record, John. What are we talking about today? Oh, what my is goodness. our main topic? Uh, complementarianism. Yeah. Why are we talking about this, John? Well, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, there, in, in, in part, we need content to talk about all the time. Always. We, every week, you know, when you get behind this mic every week, you got to have something worth saying. So that's in part. Yeah. Uh, the other part is this is having a moment. You know, it's having a uh, – it, it's a hot topic of conversation right now and hopefully yeah. we want to shed more light than heat on this on this topic. But mm-hmm. – uh, yeah. Yeah, it's having a moment and I think having a good definition, a good clarity and getting on the record for, for you and I. Not that we're not on the record. We both have we both have classes we talk about this in and yeah. engage students with and Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I suppose that's why we're talking okay. about this. Yeah. A, a, a couple reasons there. <laughs> yeah. The the number one reason for anything we're talking about is always we need content. We need content. Which we, I, I don't think we've struggled too much for content. We've hit some patches where I feel like we're, we're struggling. But um, uh, what we've learned is we can't rely on Sunday afternoon text exchanges to figure out what we're talking about the next no. day. We've got to do some more planning in advance, which we've gotten a little better at. We've gotten better, um, yeah. So The last year has been better. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. All right. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with – all those reasons you mentioned in terms of why we're talking about this. Um, and uh, I, here, here's sort of what we're going to do today. We're going to do this in two episodes. So today we're going to lay out the um, the positive case for complementarianism. In other words, we're, gonna, we're simply going to explain why we are convinced that this is a faithful representation of what scripture teaches. Yep. Um, we're not going to deal with objections. We're not going to talk about counter arguments. We're going to save all of that for next episode. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I want to give that caveat so that someone doesn't listen and go, well, you didn't even talk about like you know any chat. Like we'll get there. Like this is just the positive statement of here's what we think scripture teaches and here's why we think it teaches that. So um, – let, let me take a stab at giving a, uh, a a definition here. Okay. And this is sort of my own stab at it. It's similar to what I think you'll find other places. But um, complementarianism is the view that God created male and female to complement or correspond to each other in reflecting the character and purpose of God in the home, the church, and society. It holds that both male and female are created in the image of God and have an equal dignity and value before God, but have been given different roles within the home and the church. So there is our um, uh, brief, brief definition. Brief. brief definition, for sure. Okay. Yeah. And I, maybe 
wh- why is this controversial, Doc? Like, what, what's what's sort of like the? I mean, and, and maybe it's obvious to our listeners, but maybe we should spell it out anyway. Like, what, why why is this problematic for many? Yes. So, um, I I think it's a combination of cultural um, cultural direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that any perceived difference is automatically a statement about lack of equality, which mm-hmm. I think that's a general sort of uh, cultural trend, not just applicable to the issues of gender and sexuality, but ultimately a lot of issues in our culture. If you ex- if you notice a difference, there is a reaction among some to say that must mean that there's inequality in some fashion. That there's a uh, aggressive power dynamic or yeah. something along those lines is exactly. usually is usually the verbiage that, sure. I, that I think is used. Sure. Um, so, Doc, where do we ground this from? You know, you know, uh, mm-hmm. we're we're both seminary trained. We both you yeah. know, believe the Bible is a source of truth. Where, where do we where do we pull this? Uh, well, I mean, I think the 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 most natural starting place is, in fact, uh, is Genesis one and two. That uh, in Genesis 1, you have God creating um, – and I'm going to use the, the terminology that, that the text itself uses. God creating man in his image, male and female, he created them. Uh, so that the idea there is that both men and women are both made in God's image. They yeah. are equally divine image bearers. And that's really the emphasis of of Genesis 1, the equality in terms of dignity and value of uh, of male and female. Then uh, in Genesis 2, you get more of the distinction between Mm -hmm. male and female. And uh, I think even within that that text, you you see the the foundations for – essentially male leadership within uh, the family and ultimately God's people as well, that uh, Adam is made first and the woman is made out of man and um, made as a helper for him. Um, And sometimes people get hung up on that term as if it diminishes or demeans women, but uh, God is described with that same term as our helper, so we can just kind of slow the roll on that one. If God mm-hmm. can be our helper, then I think it's probably okay yeah. to say that a woman can be a helper to a man. So Genesis 1 really gives us the wide angle. Yeah. And he's uh, another photography term. Genesis 2 gives us that macro, that, that sort of... Uh, I think you mean micro. No, I think Ma- it's macros, called... Macro is the wide lens. I think micro is the small. Macro makes the small thing big in, in the lens, I thought. Okay. Maybe I'm incorrect. Anyway... Okay. Uh, gives us the the narrow focus. Yeah, hit, hit us up on. Uh, you can all respond to our ignorance of uh, photography terms at this point. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, but Genesis two zeroes in and really yeah. displays the complementing yes. that is happening along there. Yeah. So that there's a, a and again complement in the not in the not say nice things but complement in the correspond to mm-hmm. each other. Um, that's that's the picture I think that comes from Genesis one and two, and I think you even see it um, leading into Genesis three, where um, 
the serpent attacks the woman. And I think p- part of what is striking is that Scripture, despite the fact that it's the woman who uh, is deceived and eats the fruit and gives some to Adam, uh, Scripture lays the blame for humanity's fall into sin at Adam's feet, hmm. uh, which I think is a further reflection of the expectation that, that Adam was to lead and protect uh, the woman as his wife. Mm-hmm. And so his failure to do so is why um, – is part of why the, the, the blame is placed at his feet when it comes to humanity's plunge into sin. Yeah. So I think um, you know, Genesis 3 uh, still shows that in the way that God approaches Adam first um, and asks what's going on, what happened. Um, and then uh, even you know, some people will say oh, – I guess that's getting into That's getting into objections, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll move away from that. So in any case, I think it's established in creation. So I think that's the sort of creation order that we start with. And that, that that principle of of male leadership within God's people and in the home is uh, something that's uh, continuously reaffirmed and portrayed all throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament as well. Yeah, and I think that I think generally uh, we see a pattern of male leadership at, throughout throughout the history of the Old Testament. And I think what you said there was important, and I want to highlight it. Um, that these are uh, a pattern for God's people mm-hmm. and for the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, those seem to be the two domains that Scripture speaks sort of this language into. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I think um, – and, and there's there's a range of views within complement even people who would basically agree with what, what I've said so far. Um, so uh, this is uh, – we don't pretend to speak for all complementarians here. Mm-hmm. We're, we're explaining our perspective. Yeah. And um, one of those sort of dividing points within complementarians is um, do these – does that prin- principle and priority of male leadership within the home and the church extend out into culture and society, especially now – where the people of God are not a nation group yeah. as it was in the Old Testament. So those those spheres were automatically merged in the Old Testament. Yeah. Under the New Covenant, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And so there is disagreement among complementarians to what extent, if any, should the sort of the priority of male leadership extend outside of the home and outside of um, the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's reinforced in the New Testament. I don't think it's accidental that Jesus uh, has 12 men as his disciples, even though the Gospel of Luke, for example, goes out of its way to highlight uh, Jesus' ministry to women and the role that women played in his um, in, in his ministry. At the same time, uh, even after Jesus ascends, uh, the leadership of God's people is given to men, to the apostles. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we see that continue on into the New Testament letters as well and Acts. Um, I, I think one of the key passages when it comes to within the uh, within the, the home is Ephesians 5. Absolutely. 
and um, the idea of uh, women being submissive to their husbands, husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church. Uh, for the ultimate uh, goal of displaying the relationship between Christ and the church, mm-hmm. so that the the picture of human marriage is is supposed to be a reflection of Christ and the church. Uh, so I think that further speaks to the um, to to the husband as the leader of the home, but it's qualified by you're supposed to love your wife like Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's still obviously a measure of authority there, but there's self-sacrificial love as the guiding principle. It's not a self-serving, you know, sort of the stereotypical woman get me a beer kind of you know mentality. But it's the how can I best love and care for and protect and serve this woman as well as kids in the home and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's really using Jesus as your model, yeah. right? Right for how he served and loved the yeah. church. That that's how you were mm-hmm. to uh, love uh, your spouse and, and your family. It's supposed to be like how can I self-sacrifice in a way yeah. uh, to do this um, and I almost went to an objection there, but but yeah, pause, <laughs> pause. That's right. It's not easy to yeah. to table those, but I think it'll be helpful. And, th- and then the other passage that we talk about for uh, in this topic and I think I think this is one of the more controversial ones we'll probably mm-hmm. talk about again next week. Yeah, for sure. First Timothy two. Yep. Talking about uh, the the order of the church. Yeah. Which Timothy goes and grounds that in creation. Yes. Uh, of all things, where where he speaks to yeah. uh, that uh, 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 church order as yes. being uh, led mostly by by men. Yes. Yeah. So um, in that context, Paul. Uh, I should probably read it just to get it precise here. Um, Paul says in First uh, Timothy 2 verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For, now here's your explanation, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Now, there's a lot in that passage. There is a lot there. <laughs> um, and I, I know we'll return to this next week when we talk about objections. But for for now, I would simply point out that um, Paul prohibits a woman from uh, teaching or exercising authority over a man in the church, and he grounds it in the created order not in any specific circumstances happening at Ephesus. Yes. Um, and this is this is the passage for me that causes me to be a complementarian. Like I am I am uh, outside of this passage, I think mostly open to the idea. However, the fact that he grounds it in creation and not, well, you know, women in this time can't read, therefore it needs to be men or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. We're getting into objections again. Yeah. Uh, but this this is the passage for me and grounding it in creation. Mm-hmm. He's prohibiting something there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think um, I probably wouldn't put as much weight on this text as, as you do, I think. Mm. Not that I think it's unimportant. I think it's a very important text. Um, but uh, I, I think that um, th- this is making explicit what is – Implicit at many mm-hmm. other places in uh, in the scriptural witness, um, and so I think that 
for me, this is more of just making clear what is the clear implication of the, the general sweep and tenor yeah. of, of Scripture on this issue. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I, you know, a text like this, in, inevitably in these discussions, and I'm going I'm to try to steer away from the objections piece yeah. still at this point. Um, one of the things that, that this comes down to, and this is true even of discussions of, say, um, Calvinism and Arminianism. Uh, We're just hitting all the hot buttons exactly. today. You know? uh, each, each side has a set of texts that they think are clearer or have more weight than another set of texts, which the opposing view tends to put more weight on and more significance on. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I raise this merely as sort of a hermeneutical point to say inevitably in these conversations, uh, opposing views can all marshal texts and say, see, that's what this means. And inevitably, the opposing view is going to have to say, OK, but that doesn't mean precisely what you think or what you say it's meaning sure. right now. So uh, in light of other texts that I take as uh, more significant, clearer or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and all sides do it when it comes to um, uh, theological disagreements on, on these kinds of issues. Yeah. So um, – and, and here I would think um, – I think it's good and helpful. Uh, we'll get into objections next week. But uh, I just think there is a – and maybe people will crush me for this and I suppose I don't care. Um, there's a beauty to this vision of, uh, of manhood and womanhood when it's lived out biblically. And I do think that – um, we need to acknowledge that uh, sometimes complementarians can, I think, go beyond what Scripture explicitly says and be overly specific and say, well, women shouldn't be able to do that or women shouldn't be able to – like, OK, well, I don't know that Scripture directly says they can't or shouldn't do that. And I think um, – so I'm probably floating into an objection there a little bit. But well, – Slightly. Slightly. Um, here's another um, Here's another point that we'll circle back to next week. Uh, the mere existence of a person having gifts does not mean that they have the authority to exercise them in any and every way possible. Mm-hmm. That's setting the stage for next week. That is setting the stage for next week. You're 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 wandering. Uh, I, 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 that's a positive statement. That's a positive <laughs> statement. So, in any case, um, but not all who wander are lost. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. Um, other thoughts on um, on this issue of you know complementarian. Just trying to make the positive case for it. Um, when it's done well. I think it's a beautiful picture of Christ in the church in the home. I think it's yeah. it's it's an absolute beautiful picture of God wiring people in different ways with different abilities and gifts and inclinations and um, and uh, and interests and bringing the two together to give a picture of the gospel to the to to a world that needs it. 
Yeah. Um, I would I would echo, I think, everything you have said. Uh, yeah, I, I think, and maybe this is wandering into <laughs> objections again, but uh, ab- abuses of something doesn't mean the core principles aren't right. Yes, um, correct. And, uh, and I, I think that's the source of some objections. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And so, I, I, again, we'll get there uh, next week. Um, but, I, but I think it's important to say like some of, you know, abuses of complementarianism, you and I would have problems with them. Yes. Right? We, w- we want to push back against abuses of it. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah. That's what I'll say. Any resources you'd point us to there, Doc? Yeah, so we'll have these in the show notes, but um, uh, I've got a couple of articles that I think uh, they're quick reads, easy to, to digest here. Um, one by Mary Cassian at the uh, Gospel Coalition uh, called Complementarianism for Dummies. Now, just a, a, a note, that was written in 2012. And so you know, some of the conversations have moved a little bit on this issue, so don't be surprised maybe if you go to that article and feel like, oh, but it doesn't talk about – yeah, OK. Well, it was written 10 years ago and some of those conversations have changed. And uh, I imagine that's a play on the book series for Dummies yeah, and, so. and not calling other people dumb, right? Correct. I, I, Correct. I'd imagine that, yeah. Uh, Crossway has a helpful article, Five Myths About Complementarianism, which again is probably responding more – it's more responding to the uh, objections piece. Um, there's an article – on Christianity.com entitled What Are Complementarianism and Egalitarianism that I think is relatively good in terms of giving a summary of each of those perspectives. Yeah. And then uh, when it comes to the uh, kind of the definitive resource in some ways, it's a book by John Piper and Wayne Grudem called Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. That originally came out in like, goodness, maybe like late 80s, early 90s. Like it's been, really, but they've released a revised edition in the last year or two. So mm, updated okay. and and such. So um, that would be a, a place that deals with specific texts and larger theological issues and that kind of thing. It's it's not yeah. necessarily something you'd read straight through, but more of a I wonder what they do with guide. this text yeah. or how do I understand mm. this. So uh, that'd be a good place to to look. So next week. We will come back and circle around to some of the objections uh, to complementarianism. And if you have an objection, yeah, send it our way. We'd love we'd love to deal with that on pod. Yeah, and John promises to answer the question. So, <laughs> um, ready to move on? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, uh, this day in sports history, March twenty second, uh, in nineteen sixty nine. Great, great year um, for sports. Yeah, you and uh, your Miracle Mets. And the don't forget the New York Jets won in '69. Uh, <laughs> the 31st NCAA uh, men's basketball championship, uh, UCLA beat Purdue 92-72. Uh, Bruins won their third in a row. Mm-hmm. Center Lou Alcindor. You know who that is? Is that uh, Kareem? It is. Okay. Uh, tournament uh, most outstanding player for third consecutive year. Yeah. In '89. Uh, uh, Pete Rozelle announces retirement as NFL commissioner after 29 years. Yeah, he was kind of a legendary figure, obviously before your time. Yes, but I recognize uh, the name. Yeah, yeah. '94, uh, the NFL announces the addition of the two-point conversion, the league's first scoring change in 75 years. I didn't realize the two-point conversion has been around that long. I mean, it's been around for basically your 
lifetime. My, I mean, your yeah, what conscious I can remember. A yeah. life, lifetime there. Um, but I remember the days before you could go for two in the NFL. Man. Um, 2011, Lawrence Taylor pleads guilty for misdemeanors of sexual misconduct and is sentenced to six years probation. Yeah. He's a wild human. Yes. Yeah. If you – there's a podcast I listened to um, called um, – what is it? It's called uh, Sports Criminals. Oh, yeah. And they do these one-offs on like – or maybe two episodes. And they do one on Lawrence Taylor. It's fascinating. That dude was a freak. So if you – if you ever seen an interview with uh, Chris Sims, Phil Sims' son, mm-hmm. and of course uh, uh, Phil was the quarterback for yeah. Lawrence Taylor's Giants – uh, Chris tells the story of being a kid getting getting ready to go on the bus, and Lawrence Taylor pulls up to the house at seven a.m. Clearly, had been up all night, and is asking Phil's wife for golf clubs. Like, <laughs> like I mean, this clearly been on drugs all night, yeah. and all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, uh, Two thousand thirteen, Florida Gulf Coast, a school uh, so new it wasn't eligible for the NCAA tournament until two thousand twelve. Upset second seed Georgetown. Uh, in the second round of the South Regional, the Eagles used a 21-2 to two second half run to pull away and to hold to win on in the final minute to become the first 15 to beat a two. I think I remember that. Florida Gold Seven, The seventh 15th seed to beat a two. Seventh. Yeah, not first. Seventh. Sorry, I was reading too quickly there. Yeah, yeah, I, rem- I, yeah I remember that team. They were a lot of fun. I mean, I think they were flying high and – yeah, they were. They played above the rim a lot. Yes, from what I remember. Yeah, lots of uh, great athletes and what were they called? They was like Lob City or something. They had they, or they had they had some like nickname that I forget now. Uh, if you remember, you can hit up the show and let us from. Yeah, like they had some like nickname that captured their high flying uh, style of play. Who do you like? <sighs> or what do you like? Um. Well. Uh, I think again, this is what I would lean to. I, I, I think I'm going to lead towards uh, Florida Gulf Coast since we're really? in the NCAA moment. But I, I, that's not a strong lean. What do you got? I was I for me it was between the two point conversion and uh, uh, the three peat by UCLA. Okay. Um, but I could I could go Florida Gulf Coast. That was a fun that was a fun time. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. We're probably going to have a chance to talk about UCLA winning a bunch of NCAA titles in the 60s again. So one thing you liked? Uh, this last week, my church history course started, and I have 40, wow. 40 church history students, uh, second class today. So excited about it. Looking forward to yeah. it. Well, I'm going to keep that theme going. Uh, this academic term, I'm teaching my two favorite classes, Greek mm. Exegesis 2, where we're going through Galatians, and we're finally able to use my commentary, which is kind of fun. And uh, and we're and I'm teaching New Testament theology, which I think is probably my favorite class. Um, and uh, even this weekend, as I was looking f- ahead to what we're talking about this week, uh, just really enjoyed the prep work for that. I, okay. There are other classes that I teach that I enjoy, obviously, at some level, but um, New Testament theology is very much my wheelhouse. And so this week we're talking about how uh, New Testament authors use the Old Testament or later scriptural authors use earlier scripture. And that, of course, as you know, is oh, yeah, one, you one, love of my, that. Yeah. one of my wheelhouses. So, 
All right. So we've talked NCAA tournament action. We've talked our bracket competition. Shout out to uh, Autumn in Winona Lake for <laughs> currently leading after uh, that we get to the Sweet 16 here. Uh, the ironic thing is, is that the prize is one of your books, one of my books. And uh, let's just say she has a connection to the family that uh, she could probably get one without having to win the competition. We talked about complementarianism. We talked about Florida Gulf Coast and their upset over Georgetown. And we talked about our two favorite classes to teach. So I think uh, by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And so at this point, I think all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.